Welcome back to another episode of the Red Reporter Podcast. We are coming to you on special edition. Uh, we, we, we pre-planned and uh, outlined and had all the fun stuff written up to talk about Ryan LaVarnway's uh, big time, big ass Cincinnati Reds debut with a home run and four RBIs and Tyler Malley pitching fantastically and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then the Reds gave up 10 runs in the uh, sixth inning to the... God, to the freaking St. Louis Cardinals. Now they're down 12-7 in the seventh. Um, the Cubs won tonight, which means barring uh, a complete turnaround for these Reds, which is something that we never see at all from this group, um, they're going to be nine games out, and we've got, what, uh, 11 games left between now and the July 31st trade deadline. So um, this was hoping to be somewhat of an optimistic uh perhaps look at the Reds staying competitive this season kind of thing. Um, but damn it, if this doesn't feel like just the nail of the coffin for this season with so many free agency decisions uh, that they've got to make between now and July 31st. So uh, we're going to jump into that probably a little emotionally because why the hell not? We've been Reds fans for our entire life and just keep seeing this kind of crap happen. Um, anyway, tonight I've got, <laughs> I've got BK in Cincinnati joining me. BK, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man. I, I'm still – in shock. I, I'm glad I got a beer or else this would be pretty bad. Yeah, I, I went to the kitchen to start trying to make dinner for 10 minutes and blinked it. It was uh, <laughs> it was 7-6 and they had a runner on second and uh, yeah. ate dinner and I was 12. So, like it, the whole thing just evaporated in, in no time. Um, you know, it's kind of a microcosm of the red season because, you know, they, they, they went into the all-star break. Uh, the Cleveland series – notwithstanding on a little bit of a high note, you know, Yasiel Puig was playing right. well. Uh, Joey Votto had heated up a little bit, you know, obviously Sonny Gray was a late addition to the, the all-star team. Um, and they were a handful of games back and super competitive. And then you know, they, they come out of the second half and David Hernandez falls apart. Amir Garrett's on the DL, Rysel Iglesias. I'm happy for Rysel. He's on the paternity list. He deserves to be on there, but that's a big hit to the bullpen that was also facing a lot of hits at the same time. Then Nick Senzel pulls a hammy. Derek Dietrich gets hit by a pitch, and all of a sudden everything is just falling apart. And we haven't even got the catching situation yet. So, um, anyway, also joining us tonight is Grimey, per usual, from Indianapolis. Derek, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling. I mean, I, I'm you know you know like I'm pretty optimistic in general, and I was you know as we were talking about doing this tonight, I was you know, looking through some trades or whatever that they could do, you know, to, to ship some guys out, but also stay competitive. But when you're blowing seven and nothing leads in the six to the Cardinals who are at home, who are fine, but they're not, it's not like they're, you know, the juggernaut Cardinals that we expect to see every other year or whatever. It's, it's over. Yeah. It's, uh, this is, I, I think this is like, not to say, I mean, this is going to be their, their, eighth loss in the last 10 games. So it's not to say that it wasn't trending in this direction anyway, but this is really bad. This is a really bad loss. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, it's Robert Stevenson on the mound, giving up home runs and high leverage situations for the second straight night. Um, it's, it's in part because the injuries hit at a very pivotal time, which is something that you can never really predict or never really factor in. Um, 
But it's also the fact that there are so many teams that are quote unquote in this thing still. So the same way that the Reds thought they were up until about two, three days ago, that nobody's for sale. There are no veteran relievers out there that, that are uh, teams are willing to trade away because they're they think they're four games out of it also. Um, so there's no quick patch for this. And if you look down at the Reds um, upper minors, you know, this is almost one of those instances where you have to kind of harken back to the decisions they made with some of their draft picks. And the fact that there's just not that kind of depth uh, in the upper minors with their pitching to be able to support this kind of mass attrition all at once. You know, Nick Howard and Nick Travieso got released. Uh, uh, Tanner Rainey got traded for Tanner Roark. Um, you know, there's, there's not you know, Matt Whistler got lost because he was out of options, and that's a guy that they had traded for to kind of help bolster that depth. Uh, you've not seen the great performance from Sal Romano. Well, recently Sal Romano has been better, but on the whole this season hasn't been good. Um, uh, even guys like uh, Jackson Stevens, who have big league experience and mop-up duty before, aren't having great seasons down there either. So uh, they're really kind of up against it um, because they don't have someone else to turn to. And so you're seeing guys that you know were, were supposed to be being brought along slowly this year thrust into big spots and – you know, Matt Bowman, uh, Reclamation Project, and Robert Stevenson, uh, who we, we thought looked great early, uh, they're they're getting bent right now, and that's that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty dire. It's it's one of those. I, I think the the main thing to me that kind of sticks out is just how whatever the opposite of resilient this team is. Like, you know, they it seemed like there was a point where they kind of had things kind of clicking and. You know, the, the offense took, took a while to get there, but, you know, the starters were going deep into games. You know, the bullpen was was keeping it together. Pretty much everybody down there was was really doing their thing. And, you know, you look now and, you know, they they get banged up a little bit, which, you know, every team goes through this a little bit. To yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but this is, yeah. a, this, is, this is a Cardinals team that's playing without Yadier Molina, without Matt Carpenter, right. without Marcelo Zuna. They got Carlos Martinez as their potential closer because he's not healthy enough to start. They're throwing Adam Wainwright out there, who the Reds knocked the hell around, and Michael Walker, who was so bad to start this season, he got thrust into a bullpen role, is who took over for Wainwright. So there's right. – there's the, and they, they, they lost Jordan Hicks, their closer. Uh, Alex Reyes, their top prospect, pitching prospect, is out for a second straight year. Uh, this is a team that's in the same exact situation as the Reds right now. <laughs> and just worse. Yeah, maybe even yeah, worse. Really, the, the Reds really just kind of have, you know, bullpen guys out and catchers out. And a couple of other guys are banged up, but really, I mean, that's yeah, that's the gist of it, you know. It's it, the Cardinals are literally doing what the Cardinals always do to the Reds, which is beat them, just yeah. beat them top to bottom, and that's that's the most frustrating part, man. Grimey, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that's like it just it it seems so typical. I mean, like some guy named Tommy Edmond hitting a grand slam last night. I'd never heard of that. <laughs> like, like what? Until the hell? He, I saw him in the lineup yesterday. I had to look him up. I kept trying to Google him and kept spelling his last name wrong because I, I couldn't figure out who the hell he was. I don't know. It just seems yeah. so Cardinals versus Reds. Um, and you wouldn't think we'd still be going through this, what, five years into a rebuild, but here we are. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's a good segue, though, too, because so much about what this particular Reds team was and was supposed to be this year uh, was better, but was also better with outside reinforcements because they simply didn't have – within the farm system, enough reinforcements to do it themselves. So they brought in Alex Wood, Yasiel Puig, Cal Farmer, Matt Kemp, if you remember fucking Matt Kemp from the start of the season, uh, <laughs> D- Dietrich, Jose Iglesias, Tanner Rorick, Sonny. Like, they brought in everybody, Zach Duke. Uh, it was an overhaul of the roster 
but an overhaul of the roster with a bunch of guys who they didn't commit to long term. It was a band aid that they hoped would catch fire, and they never caught fire. And now they're basically out of time to give themselves a chance to catch fire, unless they're just going to concede that all of those moves. Uh, Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs and Shed Long and the, the international bonus pick or bonus money and the, uh, the the compensation pick, all of the stuff that they kind of forfeited and and Homer Bailey, we can't forget Homer Bailey, um, <laughs> all all the stuff they gave up to go make this band aid uh, is kind of down the drain. Like that's almost sunk cost at this point, and you got to look up and think that the Reds entered play today with the second worst record in the National League and did so as a team that was trying to win. You know, they've been right. one of the worst teams in the league for the last five years, but they've been doing it while not trying to win. They, they're they trying to win right now and have the second worst record in the National League. And I think that's the part that's the most frustrating to me because you looked up and admittedly, a lot of the moves that they made looked good on paper. They certainly, certainly did. But this team just never has seemed to kind of either catch fire and whether that's that nebulous chemistry thing or – just a whole lot of players that don't know where they're going to be a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, and kind of not buying into the whole thing because of that. I don't know. Uh, but it's been one of those scenarios where nothing has really looked right. They've never been more than about 75 to 80% right all year. Um, and this is all kind of playing out on the big stage as they finally play those more pressure-packed games because they're just not making, not making anything happen. All right. Well, with that in mind, uh, now we're, we were going to have the Reds uh, likely down nine games in the National League Central behind uh, teams that are also looking to make moves at the trade deadline. Obviously, the Cardinals picking up wins here means they're going to exit this series probably over 500. And so they're going to be looking to add too, especially with all the guys that are hurt there. So uh, with the Reds having so many moving parts heading into this deadline, uh, is this kind of the thing that says, hey, maybe we have to start selling. It's time now, and we're going to be one of the first teams to commit to that because uh, it does on paper look like it should be a seller's market. As I mentioned earlier, there's so many teams that think they're in it. That means there's so few teams that have assets they're willing to sell. Um, is this where the Reds have to draw the line uh, after a devastating, should be, probably will be lost tonight? Uh, Grimey, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it all has to I think it all has to go at this point. I mean, like you said, assuming they lose tonight, the best they can do is split with the Cardinals. Um, and that does nothing. <laughs> and then it's, and it's, you know, a week from the deadline. Um, I, they're not making the wild card. You know what I mean? Like what you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about basically everybody being in it. Their, their only chance was to, take this opportunity that they had coming out of the break with all these games against the division and basically make hay with that and climb back up there and start challenging the Cubs and the Brewers for the top of the division. And for lack of a better term, they're kind of shitting the bed right now. So yeah, they're not making the the wild card because I think we, we talked about this in our Slack channel a couple of days ago. And I think you mentioned it basically all, but like, what the Marlins and the Mets basically like everyone else is right the, there. The, the Mets, the Giants, teams that were like obvious sellers are above them in the standings right now. And like, right. 
I'd, all the NL Central teams are above them too, which means somebody has to win those games. Like you can't just jump twelve teams because you have a six game win streak. Uh, other teams are going to be winning half those games too. So yeah, it's a it's a that that, that that that's a climb that's insurmountable as far as I'm concerned. Even if they do get on, right? And that's the thing. That's what I was going to mention. Is half of those half of those teams are going to win just because all of them are basically in it. So you're not. Gonna, I mean, even if you roll off six, seven, eight, nine games, you're still only going to get two, three, four games into it, you know. Um, the division was where it was at, especially just because they play them so many times. Like, you beat those guys, then, yeah, you're going right. to jump over them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is it. I mean, I think it's time to sell everything that moves, basically. Um, I yeah. think they were probably always going to shop Tanner Roark pretty hard, only because of the way that the, the opportunity kind of uh, presented itself with, the rotation actually being good, even though Alex Wood wasn't in it. And Alex Wood should come back in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he's made a couple of yeah. uh, three rehab starts now, I think. Uh, he seems to be fine. Um, that's a pretty easy move to make. Like, Alex Wood's not going to go for anything. But you can remove Tanner Roark from the lineup by trading him, and he's been really good this year. And heck, and even then, even Lucas Sims, who they just called up, he is going to be out of options next year, you know. And so yeah. he's a guy at 25, 26 years old. You've seen some good stuff from, and obviously a former first round pick and a good prospect for times. Uh, maybe see what he's got at this point as well, because you know, looking forward, if you're losing Roark, um, you're losing Alex Wood too after this season. Uh, what your starting rotation is going to look like beyond this year? Uh, maybe it's time to start kind of digging in and figuring that out as well. Uh, BK, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with all that. Like, I, I think that, you know, if there's any silver lining to this recent just kind of, as Grimey put it, shitting the bed, you know, it's it's that really there's no waffling at this point whether the Reds are buyers or sellers. They should just be sellers. Like, there's no – no del- there should be no delusion of they're going to go catch everybody and they're going to, you know, get right back into this with some big acquisitions – no, that's that's not that's not where we're at. So, and and they have actual, actual pieces that they can you know get out and and get something for too, right? So you know they they have Tanner Roark, who you know if you were if you were gonna you know try and compete in the division, maybe you keep him, but you know hey, he could be a really nice asset to a contending team right now. And there's the the thing that jumps out to me specifically is that mm-hmm. the way the Reds went about their offseason and the way that they went out and acquired a bunch of guys on essentially one year, eight, nine, ten million dollar contracts and Kemp, Wood, uh, mm-hmm. Puig, uh, Scooter Jeanette, all those guys. It was tailor made for the double trade deadline of the last what, 20, 25 years, you know, having, having that waiver period to where you didn't have to decide at July 31st whether or not you were still in it. And the way this series, the the season materialized up until the last week was the same way. If you looked at the way this team was under the previous trade deadline parameters, um, you wouldn't see them do hardly anything right now. You know, you would see them, you, you would see them be willing to wait until August 31st and see if any of these guys pass through waivers four weeks from now, if they were still within four five, six games of the division lead. And instead they went out and got all these one-year rental players, and then Major League Baseball decided we're doing one trade deadline, and that on itself put them in a bind. And then the way that they played and how tight the division materialized up until 
this one true trade deadline also put them between a rock and a hard place. It was like a double whammy in that regard because uh, this team is tailor-made for maybe things get hot, we get healthy, we can run off uh, 8 out of 10 or 14 out of 17, uh, and by August 25th, we know where we are, and then we can make our decisions. Uh, They don't have that option right now. They've got July 31st, and they have the most one-year potential impact players on their roster of any team in baseball. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, are they going to walk away with like five top 100 prospects as they start trading guys? No, they're not. But if you trade Yasiel Puig, you trade Tanner Roark, you're going to get something decent. You're going to get something well, worth having beyond this year. And, and and keep in mind, you know, all the other teams in baseball are under the same, you know, they all have to make do all their business by July 31st too. Right. All these teams that, you know, are still quote unquote in it, you know, it really is a seller's market. It's a good year for to be a selling team, you know, with all of the teams that are probably looking to improve right now. You know, you have the Cardinals, you have the Pirates probably who are, you know, close enough to it that you could see them adding pieces. And so you know, with your Tanner Rower, maybe you do better this offseason than you would have last offseason or the one before that. So right. you, know, you you see what, what you have there. I mean, they, I think the Reds have a couple of other guys that could help teams. You know, you have – you there's a couple of relievers, obviously, that, you know, if somebody wants to take a shot at Jared Hughes and maybe, maybe give you something back for him. But, you know – I, I'd be interested to see what they do with, with Puig. I don't know if – but then again, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think if somebody can oh. give you a piece for – to contend next year, you know, or the year after that, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you trade Puig. Maybe you trade Bryce Iglesias. For the for the record, Ryan Lavarnway just hit his second <laughs> home run of the night off <laughs> off the fucking batter's eye in center field. So he now has what six RBIs six, tonight? Yeah. Good six God! Of the what nine? Nice, nice. Wow, nice. Uh, but yeah, jumping back into all that, Grimey, what do you uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I think I guess the interesting part. So assuming that the Reds front office comes to this consideration as we are right now is <laughs> we're kind of drawing the line in the sand is like, this is the night that it's over. But um, it, they also, if they do decide to do that, they, or the earlier they decide to do that, they're kind of at an advantage as well because everyone else is also in it. So like, you know, Madison Bumgarner, I mean, it was like a, a mortal lock that he was going to be traded at the beginning of the season, like some point in time, the season he was going to be traded and now, like, they're trying to climb back into it. So, th- you know, like, that's kind of – if the Giants are going to, like, him haul around for it over the next week or whatever, and the Reds decide tonight, all right, we're done, and they trade Roark, or they put Roark on the table for serious, like, say, you know, give me your best shot, and they're able to trade – like, maybe somebody would be wanting to, like – hang around and get Matt because Madison Bumgarner is better than Tanner Roark. But if the Giants aren't actually willing to put him on the table and the Reds decide that now with all the other teams still in it, I, I think it's in, uh, that, that part of it's interesting to me from a Reds standpoint. Like 
if they no, really sure. are, if they really are, if they get into it early, they can start selling these players off to people or to teams that need it and aren't willing to wait around till July 31st to find out if those guys are the guys that they want, like a Madison Bumgarner, are actually going to be available. Yeah, and that's the other point also is that you know uh, trading. Tanner Roark doesn't need to be a set the market kind of deal the way that Madison Bumgarner does. Like you can't, you're not under pressure the way that the Giants are trading a franchise icon uh, at this deadline. Roark, you got for Tanner Rainey, right? and he's and he's been great. Like you get anything better than Tanner Rainey and is celebrate. You know, you're shed. I mean, even if you get Tanner Rainey back. You shed four million dollars for the rest of the season, yeah, and you save it and bank it for next winter or whatever. You know, hey, you got Um, a reliever that you know has maybe a couple of years left, and God knows this team needs relievers right now too. Like it's, uh, yeah, you do that. Um, Zach Wheeler got hurt, and so that 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 hurts the Mets' ability to flip him. And just like every year, there are infinite teams that need pitching, uh, and infinite teams that are good that need pitching. Uh, the Yankees want pitching. The Brewers want pitching. The Phillies want pitching. The A's want pitching. Homer Bailey already got traded. You know, yeah. like, like thinking of Homer Bailey as a, trying to be a contender. Like they they they, they gave up they gave up the comp pick that was picked one selection after Jeter Downs. Yeah, <laughs> for Homer for a half season of Homer Bailey. Like there is. A thirst for good pitching. It's a and, seller's market for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like so, uh, which you know, I, crazy, which is kind of crazy, right? Because the Reds gave up Jeter Downs to get rid of Homer Bailey. I know, right? I know. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, no. they got Yasiel Puig back in the in the you know in the mix, but still. and Matt, and Matt Kemp and Matt Kemp. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Um, no, no, but it's. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like with the players that they have the ability to be opportunistic with, they should be. And will it make the team worse initially on paper? 100%. Like you, you lose Tanner Roark and you lose Yasiel Puig. A, it's a deflation just because you're giving away players that are making an impact on the 2019 roster. It'll make everybody think that everybody else is on the on the trade block as well, whether they are or not. It's a, it's an initial deflation move. But the fact of the matter is, for one, if the Reds actually love both of these guys and want them to be part of their franchise down the road, go fucking sign them this winter. You know, go do that. There's no law that says you can't do that. The Yankees did it with uh, Roldis Chapman. Go do it. That's fine. And get something for them for the half season. And also, it's worth noting that in terms of veterans and or experienced big leaguers on the roster, this isn't the Reds team of the last four or five years trading at the deadline. Uh, You trade Tanner Roark and you replace him with Alex Wood and Lucas Sims. Two guys who have had multiple years of big league experience. Wood, obviously, with much more than Sims. But you're not replacing him with rookies. You're not calling up somebody who's never done this before. Right. When you, you trade Yasiel Pui, when Nixon Zell gets healthy again, you can roll up uh, an everyday outfield of Derek Dietrich, Yasiel Pui, or Derek Dietrich, uh, Nixon Zell, Jesse Winker, uh, and Phil Irvin. You've got big leaguers to put in there. Uh, this is as deep and developed as this bench has been at this juncture in years. And so – whether or not that makes the team better on paper, I think what we've learned, if anything, throughout the course of the season is that on paper doesn't really mean shit if you can't put it together on the field. And maybe, just maybe, that combination of players can still manage to go whatever the effect of 43 and 51 is 
uh, because they're getting a chance and they're trying to prove themselves and trying to earn jobs for the years going down the road. Um, and they're doing so not as unproven guys, just as less proven guys. And I think that's something that the Reds really need to consider, especially if they think they can get something good for both Puig and Roark, which I think they can. I have a question. Well, I, I, I have a thought. And I, I've been kicking this around, and I don't really know how to frame it because I don't know how it works. But this is basically just going off of, like, the rumors about um, the Indians putting uh, Trevor Bauer on, you know, on the table for a trade. And um, the Reds he, apparently scouting him, too. Right, yeah. and, and, and they're still in it, for sure. So, and, and, and the Reds have talked, they, they talked about, uh, you know, trading for a controllable hitter in the past. So I got to thinking, so what about, and I, and I don't really know how this works, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this. Yasiel Puig and Tanner Roark, and probably plus something else for Trevor Bauer. And it's, it, for the Reds, that kind of goes into their line of thinking in this offseason, because, I mean, uh, Bauer's a free agent after next season, I believe, and he's going to be expensive next season in his last year of arbitration. But that kind of goes into their thinking of getting players that are going to be useful not only now but in their contending year or years. No, I think that's yeah, that's that's a that's an incredibly pertinent point, especially because the moment you said that, the first thing I thought of last year was the Pirates going after and getting Chris Archer, uh, which was obviously not for a, a 2018 playoff push. That was for a, that was down the road. Um, and then the, the Rays did kind of the similar thing with Tommy Pham also. They made an opportunistic trade for a guy that – I mean, and the Rays were good last year. They won, what, like 90, 90 games, 91 games, but they were so far back of the Rays or the Red Sox and Yankees that they weren't making the playoffs. But that was a, an opportunistic move for a very good player that was a piece of the future that they wanted to go find and get. And it almost makes you wonder if, like, that's kind of becoming the – the new free agency, which is uh, stop waiting until the winter to overpay for guys when you can make moves uh, and take advantage of sellers at the trade deadlines, you know, because uh, that's that certainly seems like what each of those moves kind of kind of fit in as uh, BK. What do you think? Yeah, I think bringing up uh, Chris Archer is a great that's a great point, given, you know, what the Pirates did that year, they were pretty much out of it. And Chris Archer was the biggest name on the market as far as Arnold went. And it was it was definitely kind of jarring at that point to see him go to a team that wasn't really a contender, you know, the way that the everyone thought where he was going to go. The, the way yeah. the classic trades work out, which is you poach yeah. good players off of bad teams and go, yeah. Right, and it's, you know, whoever's, you know, either the first place team or, you know, somebody really close to it. And the Pirates really weren't that. But, you know, it – yeah, I mean, a, a move for Bauer makes sense in that in that vein, especially when you also consider, as you said, the – you know, the fact that his contract comes up at the end of next year, which, you know, you pick him up now, you trade, so, you know, whatever to get him. Um, you maybe – if you don't contend next year, maybe you ship him off for – Somebody's going to want him for a half season. Of you know, he said that he's only going to sign one year deals from here on out anyway. You know he better get used to uh, you know being trade bait at the deadline, right? So right, right, uh, yeah. You know I, I can see them making a move like that. I mean I, I mean this situation that they find themselves in, I think is something that could be a net 
win over the long run as long as they approach it the right way. Um, and I mean, I, I have, I have faith that at least that Dick Williams and Nick Crawler out there looking for those deals, whether or not they're going to find one on the table is probably, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't know until, you know, July 31st. So. Well, and my idea with, um, I mean, that particular, uh, conversation comes down to both the Reds having pieces to give away for a year. I mean, trading Tanner Roark and Yasiel Puig isn't going to make a difference for them in 2020. Um, and that's right. where they need to be. Or 2020, 2021, 20, you know, I mean, that's where they need to be looking. But and but the also, 2019 Cleveland team has a chance to really be something special if they catch lighting in a bottle. And those are two very good pieces that they could use for a guy that they don't want to pay $20 million to next year. Right, and that's exactly what I'm saying is that the Reds can take on that $20 million for next year because they've got 60, you know, 45, well, it's like 60, but like you said about – A lot. they got a lot, yeah. Yeah, they got a lot coming off the book. So, I mean, adding $20,000 in salary for somebody as good as Trevor Bauer isn't really going to make much of a difference. I mean, they took on Matt – well, they swapped Matt Camp, I guess, for Homer Bailey. But um, they're not going to worry about that if it's going to add to their team in 2020. But it also fits with the Indians' timeline of not wanting to pay anyone ever past this year. So, <laughs> so you know, they get Yasiel Puig. I was kind of looking at their outfield, and Tyler Nakeley's been pretty good this year, and Jordan Luplo's had a fairly decent year in their outfield. But in general, I mean, they could use to add an outfielder, especially because, like you said, I mean, they have a chance. If they get an outfielder that's going to do something like Puig's been doing for the last, what, two months now, I mean, that that really could be a move that sends them over the top. And then you also give them Tanner Roark back for this year. He's not probably not going to be as good as Trevor Bauer down the stretch, but he's perfectly fine, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, I don't, that's kind of where I was at with just that. He's, uh, he's been I a mid-rotation starter for a team that's made the playoffs every year for the last five years anyway. Yeah, he's, right. he's plenty yeah. good enough, yeah. And eventually, if they make it that far, eventually Kluber and Carrasco are going to come back, right? So you're going to have a chance. Franklin! Cargo, <laughs> <Yeah>. hi. <laughs> so I, I think what Franklin's probably saying right now is he's like, guys, guys, guys. But it's Trevor Bauer, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to get into that, too. <laughs> but no, I think, I, think, I think the larger point's a good one, though, which is that, you know, if teams are becoming so reluctant to give big long-term contracts to players in free agency, maybe guys who are rentals suddenly become like a much more liquid market. You know, uh, veteran players you don't have to commit to long-term, but you're willing to give a prospect for, um, that becomes the, 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 the would-be free agent currency. Teams soak up money on that later in the season because they don't have to commit to it before the season, but they give themselves the, the the wherewithal in their future payroll to say, A, now there's only one trade deadline, so we have to be definitive enough about it early with 60-plus games left as opposed to you know 30 games left. Uh, and B, we're giving ourselves that kind of window to be able to absorb contracts of guys who are making $10 million a year and have $4 bucks left on their deals, and you have to soak that up at the back end of your of your payroll every single year, and it's almost like a, a built-in contingency plan. And if that's the case, uh, the Reds have the most to sell and some of the most attractive pieces to sell too. Yeah, 
I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think Yasiel Puig is obviously – I say I think this, and like, this is going to be the most obvious thing I've ever said. But, I mean, Yasiel Puig is obviously the most attractive piece that they have to sell as a rental. Uh, probably – he's probably one of the more attractive pieces to sell as a rental at the trade deadline as there has been for quite some time especially with the way that he's hitting right now. I mean, his season-long numbers, if you look at it right now, are not great. But we know basically throughout the month of April that he's been exactly what you expect Yasiel Puig to be. And he's also really – Yeah, he was, he was like uh, – he was a career, career 7-12 OPS guy in March and April for his career. And that was worse this year, but it followed suit because he's been hotter since then. And there's a guy who's a proven guy in the playoffs too. So, like um, – and we were talking about this in, in the Slack channel last night – that's the thing about Puig that makes him the one piece that I do somewhat question uh, cashing in on. Not because they couldn't cash in and get something good for him. Um, but if you look up at what the Reds have on roster now and what they would have next year, uh, losing him, there's not a better guy out there to go get to kind of replace him unless you're taking a leap on picking up a prospect somewhere and hoping for the best in the way that, you know, sometimes pans out. It panned out with Eugenio Suarez, who a guy was not a top 100 prospect, but the Reds wanted him, got him for a flyer on a rental, and uh, he's turned into a, a perennial all-star. Um, you know, without Yasiel Puig uh, and with all of that money coming off, the payroll that we've talked about after this season, if they do decide to cash in and sell a lot of these guys, where do you reinvest it? What do you get? Like who, 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 who do you turn to other than saving money, other than paying a guy like Yasiel Puig, who would be a perfect fit for the 2020, 2021, 2022 Reds in the middle of their lineup. Well, it's like you said earlier though, it, that doesn't them trading him right now or trading him on July 31st doesn't preclude them from going out and resetting. It, it, it doesn't in principle, aside from the fact that the Reds in free agency, they signed Coco Cordero for four years and $44 million 13 years ago. And that's still the biggest free agent foray they've gone. <laughs> and, like they, they, they signed their own guys and they've doled out tons of money to Suarez and to Brandon Phillips and Joey Votto and everybody else and whatnot. But, um, you know, and obviously yeah. if they traded Puig and they signed him this winter, they could probably still say, hey, we, we spent – four, five, six months with him. We know who he is and we consider him our own guy, but they're not exactly known for outbidding teams on the open market. And that's the one thing that concerns me. And they also don't have any playoff appearances to show for it over the last couple of years either. So, you know, as I mean, as we talked about, if the Reds want to be in that conversation, as far as a contending team, they need to be able to, see it have a hole like an outfielder that they need to get in an offseason and go get it, whether that's, you know, outbidding the teams that they have to outbid or, you know, making the big trade to, you know, and mortgaging you know, some of the future to to get it. They need to start getting those things done. And, you know, I, I think that, like, they, they can't go into the offseason with the – with the mentality that, okay, we can't get free agents to come to Cincinnati because as soon as you, as soon as you put yourself into that box, you're not going to be a contending team. Like that's right. You're, you're done at that point because you put yourself on a different playing field than every other team in baseball. 
100%. Not to mention the fact that, you know, as cool as Puig has been and as much as he's endeared himself to Reds fans, both on the field and with the stuff he's done off the field and interacting with fans during the first half of this season, um, who's to say that, like, the Phillies don't trade for him and then he goes off and they make a great playoff run. And then he's like, I love Philly too. Like we had a great success here. And then the Reds don't have that inside advantage anymore because they sent him someplace that's willing to spend money and has big name players and wins. And then they don't have like that. Oh, but you know, us mentality feel to their relationship with them anymore. And uh, you know, th- those are the kind of things that you just keep at our level. You can't, you can't even begin to speculate on because I have zero idea what the relationship between the Reds front office and Puig's agent are at this point. I have no idea what kind of talks they've had, um, whether or not they've even explored an extension or whether or not both sides are way off base on what it is they're expecting all the above. Um, But in terms of like thinking that you've got like the home team advantage and trying to sign him and that you could still have that again this winter, even while trading him, uh, that just gives every other team out there that wants to show they love them uh, the chance to show they love them. And odds are it's a team that's going to the playoffs this year who's willing to pay the price to, to pick them up right now. And that's just going to give him playoff experience with that team too. So it's not it's not as simple as just like, oh, but he loved his time in Cincinnati. Yeah, he probably did. But baseball is baseball. Like if you're playing good baseball, you're going to love your time wherever the hell you are. And the Reds aren't the, right. the Johnny come lately's anymore. It's a business. Yeah, I think – I, I brought this up, I or I mean, I brought up the thing about uh, trading Yasiel Puig, and I will honestly be absolutely shocked if they trade Yasiel, Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think it's the most attractive piece that they've had in a long time, and, and one of the more attractive pieces than anybody's had in a long time. I don't think the Reds trade Yasiel Puig just because it just seems very, for one, a lot of the reasons what you're saying. But it just seems very yeah. reds to me. I mean, he's he's been really good in Cincinnati. He's been really good on the field. He's an attraction. And be damned if they're going to do anything this yeah. year. I mean, I just see them hanging on to him. Bob they, whether, or not, whether or not they're whether or not they're trying to because they're trying to sign him or they don't have any expectation of signing him. I just think they'll I think they'll hang on to him. Yeah, I think and, and Bob Castellini gets his pet projects and. You know, if if you're a guy who's putting butts in the seats, uh, Bob Castellini will find a way to keep you around as long as he can to maximize that. And, you know, I, I w- had been thinking about this too. Like, they're actually in a pretty good position with Puig because say you hold on to him at the deadline, you don't have an offer that blows you away. You know, he's a great candidate for a qualifying offer at the end of the season. And, you know, maybe you take it, he takes it and you get a pick or maybe, maybe he takes it and you get him back for a year or he doesn't take it and you get a pick. You know, either of but, those are, are perfectly fine. Probably but even then is what you would get, you know, on the on the trade market. But I, I think you know, he's been good enough that you take that chance with him. But even then, like a competition pick for a guy who takes a QO and signs for over fifty million dollars, which you would assume he would. Yeah. Even though, even though Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel didn't, um, if he does get over fifty million dollars guaranteed, that gives you what pick number forty six. Yeah. Like, like it's not. It's not. I mean, 
you, hopefully you luck into something good there. A lot of the good teams have drafted a lot of good players in the top 46. Sure. But, like, it, it doesn't land you, like, pick 12 or – Yeah, know, but then again, I mean, if it if it lands you a Michael Lorenzen or a Jesse Winker down the road, then, you know, maybe you take it. That's it's, true. I mean, it's, it's, it's not – It's than, not – You know, it's better than taking a lesser pack <laughs> now, right? You know. Right. Yeah, that, that's quite true. And I mean, heck, as we mentioned, Homer Bailey got a guy who was picked what thirty third overall um, three right. years ago. So yeah. it's you know it's it's there's a good chance that they could do better than that now. But right, right. It's it's not nothing, but it's also not the 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 slam dunk. You get a second first round pick that it <laughs> used to be. Um, so no, I yeah, well, Puig I think is the one guy that that the Reds should uh, hold their price tag on, meaning. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to – because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head uh, what other rental bats there are on the market this year. Um, and if any of them compare to Puig, both right. what he's doing this year and what he's done for his career and what you might expect him to do down the stretch as a 28-year-old in his prime, um, I, I don't – I mean, I'm kind of drawing blanks on guys because – you know, Anthony Rendon's not going to get traded. Uh, 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 other potential free agents, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. But point point being, there aren't many, if any, out there that project to be potentially a more impactful player down the stretch with a bat than him. And so, I think if you're the Reds, you you set the price at what former first round pick, um, uh, top under prospect. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you, you do right. that. Even somebody who is going to help you next year. Yeah. Really make sure that if you're going to trade that guy, that the piece that you get back is something that you have a plan for. Right. As opposed to a prospect or just kind of the best available, you know, out thing you can get back. Yeah. And if if you get it, you take it. And if not, you reconsider. Um, And I agree with you that, you know, obviously Yasiel Puig's going to put butts in seats. And let's be honest, like the Reds lose tonight. They're going to be nine games back. Uh, They could realistically still be six games back-ish at the trade deadline. Uh, That's not insurmountable. It's right. It's hard to surmount, but it's (laughs) it's not insurmountable. And if ever there was a player who – could be that one catalyzing force the way that Jay Bruce used to be when he got hot. Uh, it's Yasiel Puig. There's nobody else on this roster right now who projects to be that kind of player who can physically and literally and physically carry this team um, down the stretch. Uh, so I think with him, you set the price, and if you get it, you trade him. If you don't, you don't. Uh, but I do think with guys like Jared Hughes, and if David Hernandez gets back and is healthy, um, Tanner Roark as well. Uh, if heck, even guys like like Anthony DiScalfani, you know, who's got a year of team control beyond this year, if you get a price that that is somebody loves that player and thinks they're better than what they've shown for the Reds, you make that move. Uh, Rysel mm-hmm. Iglesias falls in that as well, I think, because you know, even though those those moves would dent the team in the future. Obviously, the price has got to be high enough to where you get players that can help in 2020 to do that. And if you get those kind of moves, you make it. And um, and you move up in the draft order for next year, and you get more money to sign players, and you you draft higher. And that's just how it is because, right. you know, the fact of the matter is when you're eight, nine games under 500 and eight, nine games back in the division uh, at the one true trade deadline, those are the kind of moves you have to make. Right. 
and it, it's not like the Reds need to go into a full rebuild, right? Like it's, you know, right, yeah. you can you can sell this year and still be right back in it in 2020. You have Sonny Gray coming back. You have Luis Castillo coming back. I mean, assuming they don't do something stupid and trade Luis Castillo. Um, you know, you have Nick Senzel coming back. You have – I was, was going to say, like, we're watching this game, and it's, it's worth noting, like – Derek Dietrich just hit a pinch hit double. Dietrich's been banged up, but he's back next year. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nixon Zell's not playing. He's obviously the future of the franchise. Eugenio Suarez and David Bell both got ejected after the first inning for arguing balls and strikes. They're obviously a huge part of this team going forward as well. So this team collapsed tonight um, with a lot of their pieces on the sideline. Um, but they do have building blocks. They definitely have building blocks beyond this year. Um, and that's one of those things where you almost say – you know, you set the price for guys like Puig and whatever, and you target guys with guys like Tanner Roar. You be intentional. Right, right, yeah. And say, hey, we're not trading him for the best offer. We're trading him because we really like that 20-year-old A-plus ball player in Daytona for so-and-so who's only the number 17 prospect by so-and-so, but we've really scouted him and we know exactly what we want in him, which is what Eugenio Suarez was, you know, and, and if you find guys like that, that you're enamored with, you go make those moves because uh, the 2019 Reds, I think you can still put enough butts in seats down the stretch to talk yourself into the fact that they could still be exciting, um, but still augment that core that it's already here. Yeah. And this is really doom and gloom as far as, where we're at tonight, just be, and and a lot of it's because of the way this game's gone tonight. But and you're for, right. You're, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Grammy, but the tying run is at the plate with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, and it's, just looking at that. Hall and it's for Ryan Lavarnway. Ryan Lavarnway for the. <laughs> oh man, if he ties this up, this is going to be epic. <laughs> oh god! Uh, but no, what I was saying was, I mean, just to build on everything you guys are saying, like we're doom and gloom about it tonight um, and this season, just because of what we thought it could have been, but. They're, they have a they have 19 losses in one run games this year, um, which is one of those like just really fickle things in baseball. Um, they turn that around next year, or even if they happen to turn around this year, I mean that's the difference. Especially in this NL Central, that's the difference between being nine games out and being directly into it. You know, um, there's a lot of luck there. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So. Um, I mean, I think there's been stuff written about, like, the one-run losses, you know, how that doesn't necessarily, like, it's all – it's not all luck, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, right. I mean, they turn that around next year um, with this with this core. Uh, they have a shot for sure, um, and they have the pieces in hand, uh, with, you know, not even considering the, the rentals that they probably should be shipping out at this point. Um, yeah, there's this team isn't the 2016 team. You know what I mean? Like these, these guys have a shot. Like just just bringing some most of this crew back and making Scott Shedler. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, and making some upgrades here and there. Like this team has a shot. Uh, it's not nearly as bad as it was two or three years ago. Yeah, 100. percent Um. Well, I guess maybe to wrap this, we can uh, we can cruise through some uh, some Twitter questions uh, from our our listeners and readers about um, uh, what they think about the Reds at the current moment. Um, 
Jordan Barhorst, who uh, writes for Red Leg Nation, said, should the Reds sign Ryan LaVarna away to a three-year extension or four-year extension? Um, if you guys want to wait till the end of this plate appearance to ask that or answer that, I understand. But, uh, yeah, no, the no, point being, um, the Reds catching situation is kind of a catastrophic disaster right now. Yeah, that's – you know it's bad when basically the Reds on their roster right now have their fourth and fifth string catchers – and really, that like that pretty much tells you all all you need to know about how well. Well, Kyle Farmer got a concussion <laughs> two nights ago and, and stayed, in the, game. stayed in the game because Kirk Sally was already apparently hurt too much at that point to to, to replace him, yeah. and they didn't have anybody else who could catch oh. on the roster. Uh, Lavarnway took a walk, by the way, so he's got what. Uh, a, Two two home runs and a walk tonight, and now the Reds have the winning yeah. and a double, and, yeah. and the Reds have the winning run at the plate in the bottom of the ninth against Carlos Martinez. So, <laughs> yes. um, uh, Ryan Lavardway has a three point three zero zero OPS right now. So yeah, <laughs> the slugging percentage has to be off the charts. <laughs> Ryan Lavardway is the is the Reds' biggest trade chip at this. Well, I saw something uh, on Twitter before that apparently. Uh, there had been – when he had four RBIs, there had not been a, a player to make uh, his Reds debut with, with four RBIs uh, going back man, to 1920, right? 1920, yeah. Yeah, and God. Now he has six RBI. So <laughs> I don't even – I mean, I haven't been on Twitter since we uh, started recording, so I haven't seen any updates on what year that goes back to. But um, – <laughs> The, the legend of Ryan LaVarnway. Yeah. How, how about Ryan, it, huh? Ryan fucking LaVarnway, man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, right. that, that's impressive. That's impressive. Oh, they so. pulled him. Well, they pulled him yeah. for Sonny Gray. Shit. Yeah, oh, Jesse. Sing, yeah, single. There you go. <laughs> Jesse Winker bonking a two-run single in the right field, and we have a 12-11 game with two runners on. <laughs> <laughs> two, two outs, but this is going to – either change a little bit of perspective or it's going to add to that one run. It's Joey, 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 Joey Votto's RBI uh, chance oh, right here. Oh no. Oh my God. God, I laid this one. I laid this one on. Uh, you, you, you had, uh, can take that article back now. Wick? I don't, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 it was, it was, it this morning. It wasn't. It wasn't even analytical. It was just purely observing the fact that uh, it's an article <laughs> I wrote on on RedReporter.com for our listeners out there uh, that as of uh, yesterday um, there were 150 players in Major League Baseball who had logged at least 300 plate appearances, and none of them had fewer RBIs than Joey Votto. And obviously, I know RBIs are a terrible stat, but it's just that's it's jarring to see somebody that good with that few. Um, he RBI'd last night. He got another one tonight. Uh, it is worth mentioning that he had the seventh fewest plate appearances among all those 150 with runners in scoring positions. So it's not like he's had infinite chances, despite the fact that Nick Senzel has been a better player than Billy Hamilton offensively. Um, but the stage was just like, it was like, all right, well, you, you can't ignore that that's what the, the facts are. And I just said it objectively. Obviously, subjectively, uh, Joey Votto is an incredible hitter who I think is a Hall of Famer. And now he's got first and third with two outs and uh, the game on the line here. And 
uh, perhaps the season on the line. So yeah, um, like, I, I love how our uh, podcast listeners are getting like a full play by play as as we just sit and watch this. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm tweeting about it right now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's like I'll be damned. Like it's, it, 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 if ever there was karma in any regard, uh, this <laughs> is uh, recording this right now. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like sure. hit like Joey hit one through my fucking TV into my face right now, and I will <laughs> I will I will take this 14 to 12 victory. I unfollowed at Reds tonight. I literally did. Yeah, um, uh, Out of principle, I, I got. Uh, from 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 my personal account, um, but uh, uh, but like literally, if ever there was a, a time for that to smack me in the face, like I'm, I, I've got, I should go get my mitt out of the basement right now. Um, <laughs> point being, I, we're going to drag this out here for the end of the Joey Votto at bat. We can we yeah. can't we can't we cut can't, this off we until can't this happens. Our, our podcast listeners in the middle of it. Hell no! Hell no! Um, I, will, I will say, oh no, okay, um, never mind. <laughs> now I get to wonder if your feed's ahead of mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, watching, I'm watching on game day. I'm just saying, uh, strike one was not a strike. He took it, and no, it was high. Day, it's, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a strike. Fox Tracks agrees with game day in this. No. <laughs> uh, we, we should just do this for every game, and we should. We should just watch. Like the, the ninth inning of every game. Oh, my God. So, Votto just grounded out to first base. Game over. Reds do lose 12-11. One run loss. Another yep. one that's, run loss. I hate to see that's it. Number tw- that's number 20. All right. Now, ever- that, now that it's official, one thing that I do want to bring up on uh, on this podcast. So, the Reds, now their current record is 43-52, and 52, right? After right. nine games. Guess what the Reds' record last year was after 95 games? Oh, don't tell me it was 43-52. It was 43-52. So, well, that's really bad. If For all the talk that the Reds are better this year than they were last year, no, they fucking aren't. Are you, are you, are you telling me that Jim Riggleman really was the answer? That's, yeah, that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> Bring back well, Jim Riggleman. I'm still... Well... <laughs> If it, if ever there was a club that could make a seven nothing lead a one run loss, it was the twenty nineteen Reds. And just to make sure we get one more Twitter shout out, uh, the, the Reds have managed to make a Phil razor thin margin of error uh, more exacerbated than any team I've ever seen in my life. Like they win big, lose small, and do it over and over and over again. And with a bullpen that's progressively shedding arms left and right that's such a that's such a hard thing to ever dig yourself out of uh yeah that's just a that's a really that's a really really bad loss and one that you know you never want to pin one game uh as as the turning point of an entire season and or the reason why you make the moves you do in an entire season uh but the fact is they do put a defining July 31st trade deadline date in this year which means teams have to you got to decide on what you want to keep and what you don't. And I think the Reds at this juncture, especially after doing what they did to us tonight, um, that's that's the route they need to go. You know? Yeah, and yeah you never want to do it, but I'm going to do it. This is the night. Ten runs this is the night. Six, the, ten yeah. runs in the sixth inning on Friday, July 19th. 
Um, so th- this isn't this isn't this isn't the grimy game that you went to, but this is the grimy game that you want. This is the the turning <laughs> point, right? But this is the grimy this is the grimy death nail, I guess. Yeah, exactly, actually, exactly. That's actually funny you bring that up. I was looking at that a couple of days ago. Uh, I think it was before the game versus the the day game versus the Cubs. And I went to look that up to see if, if the grimy game actually existed. They were exactly 500. <laughs> yeah. so, so, no, I didn't really. But uh, but that's that's indicative of this team, though. They've never gotten hot. They've never gotten cold except to start the first season or start the season of first nine games. And it's amazing. Like, if they'd, if they'd gone four and five in those first nine games and still not hit and found a way to squeak out a couple wins here and there – we're not having this conversation right now, and so well, um, I would you know I would say they're cold now. Uh, this is two and yeah. eight versus, versus the one and eight or one and nine or whatever. But was, but so. they, but they had but they had everybody on their roster healthy aside from Wooden Scooter to start that season. Uh, you know they I admittedly they got banged up at a very bad time when they were already behind the eight ball, and uh, they're paying the price for it right now. And the way the NL is this year is hyper competitive as it is. Um, I don't think they can afford to keep pretending like they can jump a dozen teams you know i just don't see that happening so well i guess this is uh to wrap it up uh this is something we could put out to the twitter followers at uh red reporter um i one of my questions is that i just want to put out there is because i didn't want to make this like the Puig podcast what what are we're not going to get into this right now because we've been doing this for about an hour now at this point. But uh, what's, uh, what do you guys think Puig's going to sign for? Like what would it take to re-sign Yasiel Puig right now, years and money? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, right now. So if he doesn't end up with a qualifying offer pegged to him, which teams seem to demonize players for having, um, if the Reds were able to sign him right now, what would it take? Uh, he's what? He's a 28-year-old? Um, I think it would take a Lorenzo Cain like contract. I think it would take maybe more than that. Five years, ninety million dollars. You know, five ninety five, something like that. Uh, um, with fun. with with an opt out after two years, maybe even. You know, um, those seem to be such a a defining factor in those kind of contracts at this point. Um, but I, you know, Cain signed at what thirty thirty one. Uh, Puig's obviously been a more offensive, less defensive player, but also in significantly less playing time than Kane over the, his career. Um, but I, I think he's a guy that 590, 5100, something like that is what it's going to take where he is right now to buy him out of the chance to have free agency. Uh, I, I think that's what you'd have to offer. Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, I think even two, three years ago, I think it would have been a lock for a player like him to get a hundred million dollars plus I we just don't see that happen so much anymore but he's got yeah. youth on his side I mean he's 28 he's not he, he's, or whatever he, so. he's got he's got youth on his side and obviously his his travails getting from Cuba to the United States are well documented and something that I would never wish anybody having to go through um but because of the way the international free agent system was at that time he signed originally for what like seven years 49 million so he's not somebody who's entering free agency or on the cusp of free agency having never really made any money, you know, like Anthony Scafani's made like $4 million in his career. And this can be a free agent after next year. Like Puig's got, he's made money, you know, and he knows he could make money in free agency. It's not like he has to take the best offer he gets. 
Um, but I do think to keep him away from free agency, especially if the Reds choose to keep him the rest of the year, you're pushing a hundred million dollar commitment. Uh, I think you'd have to, and I'm not saying he'd get that once he reaches free agency, especially with qualifying offer tag, uh, because we've seen the free agent market collapse for guys like Yasmani Grandal, who I think is worth a hundred million dollars last winter. Um, but I do think it's a guy that if you're going to buy him out of that chance, you got to throw a hundred million bucks at him. Yeah. And so do you do it? I mean, if you were Dick Williams or Nick Kroll would do it, I mean, do you give him $100 million? If I'm working for a billionaire running a baseball team and I know that, and I know that my, I know that my, uh, my, my payroll next year is shedding 45 ish million dollars and I'm going to need to impact that somewhere along the road. Uh, if I have to overpay by $25 million over the course of five years to make sure that he never gets the chance to say no to me, yeah, I do it. I, I do it. I offer him I offer him five ninety-five right now. And if that gets negotiated up to five one oh five, I sign him on the fucking dotted line. I do it right now because I don't think there's a player out there that's gonna be available this winter that could replace what he has for the next three years for this Reds team. I don't disagree with that. I I don't really have I mean I well and I also kinda come on come down on it from your side as far as like it's not my money, so <laughs> you know what I mean. But, and uh, and it's and and to clarify also to get a guy like I don't, even if you think Clint Frazier from the Yankees can be as good as Puig is for the next three years, the only way you get him is to trade one of your best players. And I, the Reds aren't in a position to trade one of their best players. They need to augment. And I think there's not a guy out there that fits better for the next three, four years as a Red than what he brings to the table, assuming everything goes right. And the fact that he's already taken to this city and taken to the fan base, I think that's something you absolutely have to consider. All right. Well, uh, you uh, answered my at Red Report question that I was going to leave with. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we've 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 hit an hour. So, um, Reds lost twelve eleven. Reds blew seven nothing lead. Reds have Luis Castillo going tomorrow, but whether or not that really matters at this point, who the hell knows. Anyway, uh, for BK and Grimey, thank you for tuning in. For all those who managed to still be interested in the Reds by the time this publishes uh, this weekend, um, thank you for following us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. At, we are the Red Reporter Podcast. You can find us at redreporter.com for our writing. Uh, to Baseball Jones, who is a longtime loyal reader and follower and commenter and longtime Red Reporter, I will try to get this posted on Spotify for you. I didn't realize we hadn't had it up there, but I will try to sort that out for you as well. Uh, so hopefully you guys can follow us on Spotify as well. Um, and, yeah, for, uh, for BK and Grammy, I think this is a uh, good time to cut it. And uh, thank you for listening to the uh, Red Reporter Podcast. Yep. See you guys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Night, guys.